Hello and welcome to Say It in Red, a podcast about visual novels and curses. I'm Runa. I'm Sarah. And today we're talking about curses. Sure, we're talking about we're talking about a good game, which is nice. Yeah, we're talking about a, we're talking <laughs> I mean, about a pretty good. Uh, we I always play good games, good. but like we, yeah, I mean, like there there are times where we've played games that we feel failed in some way, despite their ambitions, yeah. or games that have some like interesting flaws. I think the game that we're covering today, which is Paranorma Site: The Seven Mysteries of Honjo, despite the uh, the the very obvious errata in the title that the game points itself uh, points out itself a lot, mm-hmm. the fact that there are nine mysteries and uh-huh, not seven, uh-huh. it is probably one of the tightest, most yeah. competently executed games we have played this year. Yeah, it's it's so clean, like. There's no fat to trim. And, like, that's so rare in a visual novel because visual novels love to just, like, have it aside and, like, have fun with the characters. And, like, so, like, I can see how, like, there is value in having, like, moments that are just character-based. But as far as mysteries goes, there's something just really uh, satisfying about a game that Mm. is tight. It is a puzzle box that comes apart and you fit it back together and every single piece snaps and clacks into place with, like, perfect precision. It is also um, playing with a lot of our favorite visual novel tropes, so yes. we'll get into that. But, like, yes, this is, like, we are the audience for this game. <laughs> exactly, exactly. This is, like, you know, this is one of those games that where it's perfectly aligned to be, like, hey... Do you like this this feeling? Yeah. And do you want more of that feeling done really well here? Yeah. Also, do, do you like women? Hey, do you, <laughs> I know. Do you like women? Do you like women? Do you like women? Do you like terrible women? Yes. I also have it on good authority because I know that we, Sarah, are not the the people that this speaks to, but I have it on good authority that if you are a gay twink who loves a grizzled daddy. Oh, sure. Um there is absolutely top shelf one of the best in video games in this game. So I have been told by qualified sources. I will. I will take their word for it. <laughs> yes. Um. I mean, like, I, 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 I think I can see what, like, I, I understand on an intellectual level what <laughs> what they're talking about. Yes, this makes sense to me. I, I can trace the qualities here uh-huh. in the story, and I understand the tropes that are really. Really checking some boxes uh-huh. if you really like that kind of grizzled old guy. But the women. The women. The women. Top tier. Ah, Harue. I'm in love with Harue. She is the yeah. best woman. Yeah. She needs Ma'am. to divorce her cop husband and get away from marry her me. cop family and come. Yeah. And marry me. Me. Yeah. Me. We will fight she for Harue. Marry- she- yeah. <laughs> Ma'am. <laughs> Anyhow, we should get ahead and start talking about this game and its general premise and give you like a brief summary because you know what we can we can summarize this game uh pretty quickly, I think. And then we'll we'll go into talking about all the things that we like that it does and the things that we really enjoyed about it and the, the different things that connect to other things that we've covered in the past and also other things that we just love and really enjoy. Yes. Um, so this game, of course, it's set in uh, Sumida City. Um, 
and specifically like this region that that we'll refer to as Honjo, which is where you get the title, The Seven Mysteries of Honjo. Um, and it's, it's focused around folklore in the area. So um, if you're not familiar with the general folklore trope of the seven mysteries, this is like a big thing in Japanese folklore, urban legends. You've probably seen some sort of thing in anime at some point where they talk about the seven mysteries or seven legends of a school. Um, all sorts of things like that. The, uh, the trope of there being seven mysteries of a place is just a popular sort of like format and thread. And, you know, you go through and you talk about the different origins of the legends, and they often tie back to the Edo period, which is how they tie back here. Um, and we open in a park just after midnight, a nice little children's park, and immediately, well, actually, no, before that, we open with a guy in a mask. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I say guy in the gender neutral way, because yeah. throughout the entire game, it's just like, he is the storyteller, pronouns he, him, gender question mark i agree um has a has a mask uh, a snappy suit long white hair uh and just has this this very theatrical performance and first opens by saying hello there uh i am going to tell you this story and also look beside me this is a, an item not from the era in which you inhabit it is called a color television this is the latest trend. And also, if you look at this picture in the color television, there is a telephone booth. People can use this to communicate with one another if needed. Which is, like, it just sets such a fun tone yeah. for this. Yeah. Um, and he uh, he asks your name, you know, as, 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 as nice for, like, visual novels. He's like, hello, player, what is your name? Uh, and then uh, tells you that we are going to look at the story of one young man one Shogo Okie, and we are going to see what what uh, sort of fate befalls him during this sort of mysterious circumstance that uh, surrounds the seven mysteries of Honjo, and uh, and then a news announcer breaks onto this TV and says, "Harum, this just in in the morning, we've <laughs> discovered the body of Shogo Okie deceased." And then the storyteller's like, "No, no, no." No, no, wait, wait, wait! You, you did not see that. You know nothing. You remember nothing. That's a real Please, fun. Just it's, it's, it's just so fun. The, the opening. It's of the so game. good. Please just enjoy the story as it unfolds. Yeah. Um. And so we jump into Shogo's perspective in this park where he is there with Yoko, my darling love, Yoko. <laughs> what a dreamy girl. As Shogo um, says, he has a thing for uh, bubbly girls with bub dark, with interest in the occult. <laughs> yes, bubbly girls with interest in the cult, and that perfectly sums up Yoko. She's she's like in her early mid twenties. She works as a housekeeper um, because she tried an office job, but it just wasn't for her. And she's like really into occult stuff. She recently read an article about the rite of resurrection, which is you know was publicized by a local historian and details an ancient ritual written down by an omyoji about how you can you know bring people back from the dead no big deal and it's tied she has found to these seven mysteries of honjo of which there are nine officially and possibly up to 15 unofficially but you know we're gonna focus on the nine core in here um and so they're in this park together talking about spiritual sense and occult things and one of the great things about this game is it's fucking aesthetic and mm -hmm. design oh i guess we could talk about like for one thing 
most areas are 360. So like you are mm-hmm. looking around and I we can talk about it more later is like how that really works well with the vi- like the way they're using it in a very visual novel mm-hmm. sense. But like that's also like a, it's a way that is used to like surprise you. And like there there are jump yes. scares in this game. So like be aware. Yes. But, uh, yes, it, I, well I I made some I made some friends play uh, this opening section too, and as soon as uh, one of them got to the first part where you can like look around, they were like, "Oh my god, no, something is gonna jump out at me! I can already <laughs> feel it," which is like so perfectly the game mechanics set up the atmosphere for you to expect that because there are other games where you can look around three sixty and you don't expect right. jump scares. Right, you're just looking um, around, yeah. Yeah, the uh the color grading in mm-hmm. this is immaculate. Most scenes in the night especially are graded this like particular sort of like almost thalo blue mm-hmm. shade that really drenches everything in like a very good mood. Um and then the character sprites of course all are are kind of vibrant. The expressions are so charming. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um the the character art all has this like extremely heavy ink brush stroke mm-hmm. style um and it's really really cool um one of the cool things also about that panoramic 360 is that they are clearly using like panoramic camera images like they went to a location and they captured panoramic images of a location which is why you can so effectively look around and the way they integrate it alongside all of the other assets that are, like, drawn mm-hmm. and the way they've rendered these, like, sometimes photographs, I think, it's hard to tell. And I think that's one of the things that works really well is that sometimes I'm like, okay, that was probably just, like, you know, Google Maps style 3D camera. Um, but then other times you can't really tell, like, was this actually somehow hand-drawn? Um, games atmosphere. Absolutely. Great. Perfect. Um, anyway, Shogo and Yoko start talking about lots of spooky things, and they go over the various, uh, the various legends, and the one that they're looking for in Kinshibori Park there is the Whispering Canal. So, there are nine legends, as I mentioned. I'm going to recite them now from memory to show off, um, and then inevitably fail. So, there is the Whispering Canal... Uh, which is, you know, a legend that there's going to be some sort of canal where fishermen would fill up their baskets, and if they did not sort of, like, heed a voice that said, leave it here, leave it here, uh, they would have their baskets emptied, and they would dragged into the canal and die. Then you have the Fool's Procession, which is a legend about mysterious music that a daimyo could never really locate around his estate. You've got the Beckoning Light, which is sort of like a a light will-o'-wisp style that leads people around and vanishes when you get close, but then appears farther away. Uh, You've got the Evergreen Beach, which is a weird legend, because in the legend's lore, it's like, well... It was a beech tree that never shed a leaf, and then later we found out that it was just an evergreen tree, so it wasn't supposed to shed leaves, so why this is a legend is the mystery itself. Um, You've got the foot washing mansion, which is like a legend about a giant foot that crashed through a mansion ceiling and demanded to be washed, and as soon as it was washed, it like retracted and the damage and the roof was repaired, and this happened like every night until the owner swapped houses. 
Uh, you've got the haunting clappers, which is that they're just like these these little clappers, the clack, 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 that were used in the Edo period to alert people that, hey, there's a fire, um, before like, you know, fire sirens and stuff. And uh, I forget the details about this one. I think it literally is just like, there's just like some other clappers that, that clack when you clack the clackers and you can't find out where the clackers are, the second set of clackers is coming. So it sounds like an echo. Um, and then you've got uh, the uh, ever-burning lantern, which is that there's a soba cart that has a lantern that's empty, uh, or like the cart is empty, there's no attendant, and the lantern is either always on and you can't put it out, or alternatively, it is never on and you can't light it no matter what you do. Um, and then we have... I can tell you which two you're missing. Damn it, have I forgotten already? You want me to oh, tell you? Oh yeah, nope, 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 I got it. Uh, and then we have the uh, Taiko of the Sugaru, um, which is just like there was a, a daimyo in the area, the Sugaru clan, and they had a watchtower for fires, but instead of the clackers, they had a Taiko drum, and they would just sound this Taiko drum. And everybody was like, well, that's weird. <laughs> Why do they have that? And that's the whole mystery and legend. And then the uh, the last one is the one-sided reed, which is that there was a, a guy who was a huge creep asshole and stalked this woman who rejected him. And when she rejected him, he cut off one of her, like her left arm and left leg and threw her into a canal. And from then on, the reeds on that canal would only grow on one side, you know, mimicking the fact that she had one half of her limbs cut off. Yeah. Uh, and those are the mysteries. So, uh, I bring that up for no particular reason. Oh, it's so uh, good. Uh. <laughs> it's also just, like, great atmosphere, yeah. right? Like, you, you, when you're going through, there are lots of, like, command prompts to, like, think, recall, consider. You look around your surroundings. You can talk to people, examine things. It's a great com combination of all the different type of ways you can interact with things in a visual novel or adventure game. Mm -hmm. Um, and... When, like, you get things in, like, your glossary, which is great, it's, like, you then go through and you're sort of, like, building the atmosphere as you're reading about these these weird legends in the glossary. But then something happens, and there's, like, a weird shift in the atmosphere. And Yoko is, like, extremely, like, looks horrified. And Shogo's mentions to himself, like, I, I feel like there's eyes on my back, I can't move. And then so you, you slowly turn around to face what seems to be nothing at all, but Yoko's still still screaming. And uh, and then, like, suddenly some weird thing comes up in the corner of your screen and it says, PUSH! And, like, you know, on reflex you push the button because you're holding your controller or playing on your Switch. Or, like me, I was playing with a PS4 controller on PC. And, uh, you know, the thing just came up and said, PUSH! And I, uh, so I pushed it. Sarah, did you push it? Of course. To be fair, the game doesn't go further if you don't push it, but, you know. Well, that's true. <laughs> but for the for the sake of the dramatic reenactment, you know, anyhow. I, I think it, it sets up well the fact that you have to push here for how yes. it will go for the rest of this kind of section. Yes, yes. But also, I mean, I think that it's one of those where it's like, the game has, has set up a path where you do have to push it, yeah. right? But also, it it also you don't know players. yeah like you don't know what the outcome is you just know that this is like this a is thing your response that came up. yeah yeah 
And so, like, uh, a lot of people who, especially if you're used to quick time events coming up really suddenly mm-hmm. and having to react quickly, you just push it, yeah. right? Um, and so that inevitably causes something to happen. The screen goes black for a second. And uh, you turn around and Yoko is slumped down, lifeless on the ground, water streaming from her eyes and nose and mouth. And she is super dead. And so Shogo is immediately freaking out and looking all around. And he finds on the ground beside her a small stone carved in the shape of a carp hopping out of a basket. When he picks this stone up, a, like, horrifying girl's face, like, pops up in his in his field of vision and fills the screen. There's a scream and, you know, normal things like that. Resentful memories flood into his mind. He's overwhelmed by the visage of this dead girl residing or tied to the stone. There's lots of cool text that comes up on yeah. the screen. And then you get a nice notification that says... You have gained the power of the curse stone, the Whispering Canal. Use it to kill anyone who walks away from you. Yeah. Ooh. The way, the, yeah. The, the, the design of the curse stones is just yes. so effective. It's so good. Especially because, like, this is a game that has started, you know, relatively simple exploration of a spooky park. You get, have the expectation that something something spooky will happen. And then you pick up a stone that says, yes, you can use this to instantly kill without a trace anyone who walks away from you. And like, that is, that is such an easy thing to, like, a, such an easy setup to do. Like, it is so yes. easy for someone with the Whispering Canal to kill someone. <laughs> yes. Um, and it's like, so, God, yeah, it's incredible. And it's really, really fun, too, because the way it's set up as a notification for, like, here's the pop-up help screen yep. in your visual novel, yep. in, your, in your video game, yep. is also, like, extremely jarring yes. in a great way. Um, when, I made, uh, when I made some friends play this, everybody, like, recoiled and, like, fell out of their chair at this moment. Like, use it to kill? What's that mean? Yeah. Who are we killing? Like... There's something about, like, this the expectation of going into a visual novel and a, a creepy visual novel and then being given this power and being like, what is this game? What am I going yeah, to be doing exactly. in this game? Like, yeah, usually in visual novels, you do not have a lot of power to kill, especially in a, a puzzle box type. Imagine, imagine, like... Length of length of average puzzle box visual game versus if someone had a gun. Yeah, yeah. Right at first, I was like, oh, Death Note. Are we playing Death Note? And like, yeah. kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Death Note, but like, tight and paced perfectly. What if Death Note was a death game? And also yes. a horror movie. <laughs> yes. Incredible to me, honestly. Incredible yeah. to me. And uh, what what ends up happening is Shogo immediately hears this other voice that comes through that says kill kill them kill anyone who walks away from you you who strongly desires the right of resurrection if you want the power to bring back the dead fill this vessel with soul dregs kill and harvest souls or better yet kill and harvest the souls of your fellow curse bearers as their uh, souls are worth droves of lesser souls and so shogo thinks for a moment 
and is like, wait, that means if I go and kill other people, I mean, I can't do that. That would be bad. That would be awful. But if I did, if I kill other people, then I could bring Yoko back. But no, 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 I can't do that. However, <laughs> and Shogo like negotiates for with himself for a little bit. And then as you're looking around the park, you see this strange little ball of light and then a weird guy. And then the weird guy, uh, you call out to him and he approaches and <sighs> Takumi sure is a weird guy. He's a, he's a guy, I guess. <laughs> very, fu- very fun is like your first kind of interaction with the mechanic. Right. Because like, right. you don't know, he's, he is very, like, he, he does not um, give much away. It's like he, he could, doesn't emote either. Yeah, it's like he he could be lying. He could be telling the truth. There's really he wants your curse stone. That's all you know. Uh, and so like it really is a good setup for like oh I have pa- I have this power. Here's this guy who knows who I am. What do I do about mm-hmm. it? How do I yeah, disengage like it, instantly? As soon as you get the power, this guy comes up and it's like, "Hello, I saw you pick up a curse stone." I know what this means, and I can tell you all about it. You should hand it over to me, because it would be bad if this fell into the wrong hands. And Shogo's like, wait a minute, how do I know your hands aren't in the wrong hands? Who even are you? Um, It's great, because, like, through this point, you can use, like, the think and recall Mm -hmm. commands to, like, try and remember who the heck this is, but Shogo's memories are hazy. And also, like, he, he does know of him. They, yeah, they work like, for the same company. Familiar. They work for the well, same company, so like he eventually is like, oh, I know his name, I guess. Yeah, exactly. But that's after Takami has fed him a different line about, I am the associate of the great sorcerer Suigen Gamiodo. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Shogo's like, okay, that's bullshit. You're like the secretary of the chairwoman of the soap company I work for. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a fun it's a fun reveal for like it's really for us really fun who don't know who this guy is and don't really know why, how they would know each other it's kind of funny to be yes like, oh he's just like the guy he's a your boss but you don't yeah but like your boss is boss so he doesn't you don't really exactly um and so you know Shogo's like okay I don't know if he has a curse stone he probably does I'm just gonna assume any weird person who knows about curse stones probably has one. And he's probably trying to find a way to activate his curse and kill me. So how do I just get him to leave? How do I get him to leave so I can use my curse on him? And then Shogo's like, oh, fuck, that's right. I called the ambulance when I was freaking out about Yoko. She's sadly super dead right now, but I can use that. And so he tells Takami that he called the ambulance and Takami's like, oh, you fool. All right, let Getting us be gone here. from this place. Um. And then Takumi turns around and boom, Whispering Canal kills him. It's so fast. It is so fast. Uh, the Whispering Canal is, is one of the most horrifying ones. But but did you press the button? I did press the button. And that's the important part is that I actually played this a second time. Oh, I, so I did I too. Know yeah. That it's, it's possible to not press the button. And that is what's fascinating to me. But if you press the button then the curse uh, triggers and Takumi dies. If you don't press the button, Shogo doesn't the anyway. curse triggers and Takumi dies. Yeah. The fact that Shogo, like, I, so I did two early playthroughs. So, like, I was, mm. I was on a flight. I did, I was, it was like an hour and a half-ish. So I got through yeah. uh, a good section 
and I was like, and basically after t- talking to me and I had pressed the button with him, I was like, okay, I guess I'm just killing people this playthrough. I guess this is what I'm going to be right. doing. Like it's in, for, because in it, for a penny, in for a pound, I guess I'm doing it. Exactly. That was my reaction too. Is like, I guess we're just doing murder. Let's go. <laughs> Let's see where this goes. I'm already, I'm already in. Uh, but then yep. uh, I didn't. I got to a certain point and the fight was over. So I was af- after that. I was like thinking about. It. I was like, I don't really like that. I was just like indiscriminately killing people. Like I kind of wanted to start over and see like if the game. Wh- at what point does the game make me kill people? Exactly. So I started over um, and I killed no one, but Shogo killed everyone. So. <laughs> Yes, so this is, the, and we'll get to this, this is one of the most fun parts of the game. Because um, I, I sadly did set the friends that I had playing up for this and had had them always press the button. Um, or rather, I took the controller at that point and pressed the button every time. Um, so uh, that I, I was slightly unfair, but there's a good reason for that. And we'll, we'll talk about what that what that impacts, whether you press the button or you wait until. Oh, you want you wanted triggers. the little reveal at the end. Yes. Yes. It was a very fun discussion we had. I, I have I have lots of fun info to, to discuss about that discussion we had. And uh, and so after that, Sugar's like, well, ambulance is almost here. I better get out. But, you know. He wasn't a curse bearer, Takami. I barely got 1% soul drags from him. But if I find the other curse bearers, then maybe I can resurrect Yoko before dawn and then all of this will be behind us. All right, let's go. Where were the sites of the other mysteries? Yeah, they just go uh, hunt the other... other, If I just like hang out in those places, like maybe I'll just find some more. Yeah, you, uh, you go down an alley and you're like, well, this is the general area of the haunted clappers, but I don't... I don't see anything here, so, well, here's, like, a cheap lighter on the ground. I'll pick that up. Okay. Uh, you know, normal horror protagonist things, you see a random implement or tool, and you pick it up and put it in your pocket. Um, Shogo's doing great spy Resident Evil rules so far. <laughs> um, and, uh... You know, you go on, if you go to, like, a, uh, the, the bridge where the beckoning light is, you see just a just the the guy of all time in this fucking game, Richter Kai, Private Eye. The uh, a cowboy hat, all in white, dressed all in white. Uh-huh. A yeah. cowboy belt. The Extremely most luscious. deep V-neck. Yeah, the luscious-est hair. The most hair. luscious hair to his shoulders. Just like, yes, he like, has an aesthetic and he is dedicated to it. He's he, got it down. He commits so hard. He quit... He says that he quit the police force because of various things and, you know, feeling like the police couldn't do their jobs. But I also feel like he quit the police force because they would not let yeah. him unbutton down to, like, the last button on his shirt and have his chest bare yeah. to the world yeah. in the uniform. Um, and he's committed to that so hard. Uh, Richter's intro conversation is so great because he, like, approaches Shogo and is like, hey... What's your name? And at first I was like, oh, is he cruising? (laughs) Yeah. um, Listen, listen. In this intro part with Shogo, so many guys look like, hey, are they cruising? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, uh, And uh, and Richter asks Shogo's name. You can choose to, to, to like say, hi, my name's Shogo, or no, I'm not giving you my name. If you tell him 
your name, he cuts you off before Shogo can even finish and say, no! Why are you telling a stranger your name? Come on now. Yes, don't you know, this is the information age. And we should clarify, I know we implied it earlier because of the whole, like, color TV and telephone booths and things, but this game takes place, I'd say, like, roughly in the, like, what's, like, the 70s? I thought it was the 50s. No? The 50s? I'll double check. Yeah, I I forget exactly, but I remember... Oh, the, no, the, 1980s. The way... I was way off. Yeah, 1980s, yeah. I, I know it was like the 70s or the 80s because they mentioned that the telephone cards had just come around. And if you know about, like, telephone cards as a thing in Japan, those have, like, a long-storied history, but they go back to, like, the, the like, 70s or 80s or something. So that was where I pinned the time in my brain. Um, the color television stuff was also uh, fascinating, but I had no idea when color TV came out. Um, but uh, but yeah, they uh, have this this fun exchange, and at the end of it, uh, Richter's like, "Hey, by the way, have you got a light? And if you have the lighter, you can offer him the light and whatnot, and then uh, head on your way." Because Shogo's like, "Well." I can't really seem to make him leave because he's hanging around here. He says he hasn't seen the beckoning lights. I'm pretending just to be like some nerd dweeb uh, out here looking for the legends. So I'm I'm looking on the website just because it seems too, 80 seems too late. It says during the show a period 1926 to 89. So yeah, <laughs> it could be any point, I guess, in there. Yeah. I I think that if we the, pin down the date when telephone cards came out, that'd yeah. probably help a lot more. Yeah, like color TV was definitely earlier than nineteen eighty. Yeah, so. color TV. So the the three technological touchstones we have are fax machine, telephone card, and uh, what was the other one? Um, other than other than all of that, I've I've forgotten. But um. Basically, you know, we've got at a point that's pre-internet, pre-cell phone, um, pretty much pre a lot of the more modern, like, absolutely before the 90s set up with, like, more interconnectivity between municipalities and and large-scale government when there was still that sort of, like, air of, of insulation when you, you know, you have, like, a crime thriller or something, the cops can't just, like, check a database sort of thing yeah um or like if they do the database is like a filing cabinet um anyhow uh shogo leaves from that bridge and then goes to a back alley that has like uh the south part of a what used to be a canal but was filled in and became a street and there are two different legends that sort of take place around there the foot washing mansion and then the uh ever burning lantern and immediately it gets, like, super fucking dark. And, like, immensely dark. Oh my god, incredibly dark. Somebody, like, pulls Shogo in towards this curse echo he sees, which is, like, the manifestation of a curse stone. And it looks like this disembodied guy who's just, like, floating in the air. And uh, then it's just super dark. And you can look around and try and move, but it's just so fucking dark you can't tell where you are or where you're going. And but hey, you've got a light. And yeah, hey, you've got good a thing you grab that light because if you didn't grab that light first, you sure are gonna die here. <laughs> yeah, if you uh, if you didn't grab that light, you will be disemboweled. Uh, but if you did grab that light and you just go into your items menu and you use that light, uh, it's fine. And then you hear somebody run away and use the curse. 
and you don't see who they are, but they are super dead. And Shogo gets a nice little notification that he got 30% soul dregs. That's nice. Nice. Right? Like, you're a third of the way to resurrecting Yoko already. He, he's cruising. He's got it. Yeah. He's got it down. He's he's cruising in more ways than one. Uh-huh. But it... <laughs> um, anyway, after that, he's like, well, let's look for some of the other curses and mysteries. Um. You can then go to uh, the the high school or uh, some garden. Or not the gardens, the park. Um, the high school is so much poor. The high school, oh my god. <laughs> the high school. You see, the, you see a, a teenage girl, she like startles and runs away and you kill her. And meanwhile, I'm like, Yako, my poor girl. <laughs> Yako, my daughter. Yako! Like, the, the thing- the, in my first playthrough when it happened, I was already like, well, I guess I'm killing people. I'm going to press the button. But it yeah. sure seems like I'm losing the chance to learn any information about these characters. And then exactly. replaying it, and it's like, oh, he's still going to kill them, so I still can't learn anything about these characters. Yes. It is possible that, like, if you look at her hands, she's, like, barely concealing a curse stone of her yeah. own. Yeah. But also, like, you know... Even if you don't see that, Shogo's gonna gonna kill her when she walks away. Um, and uh, you know, you get some more you get some more soul dregs in there. You're charging that battery, cooking with um, gas. Yeah, for real. Then you, of course, you go to uh, check out the park, and you see two guys there: uh, an older gentleman and a younger man. And of course, this is when I made more jokes about cruising and the Shogo going cruising. Um, and. Uh, you can overhear their conversation. You're like hiding behind a tree and there's a fun mechanic where like if they start to get suspicious, you like swivel the cursor to the other side and you can like duck behind the tree. I, I hate like any sort of like stealth mechanic, but it is kind of fun. In part because it's completely sets you up for another jump scare. <laughs> yes, yes. Because you like you hide once and they're like, huh, guess it was nothing. And then you look back and then you, you listen some more and they're like, wait, I'm going to check again. And you hide and they're like, huh, guess it was nothing. And then you come back and they're just like standing there. It's like, gotcha. Um, and these are two cops. This is Tetsuo Tsutsumi, uh, who's the aforementioned like grizzled old uh, gruff daddy type that uh, I believe is will be very popular with boy likers. Um, and uh, Ario, who is just like, the ginkiest gal in the party. Yeah, he, um, he's he, he's that man, he's that support, you know, uh, yes. rookie cop. Not quite a rookie, but a newbie cop. Yes, and it's the one who can keep the conversation going. <laughs> yes, he is very much like constantly just like, hey, I'm super upbeat and positive. I'm gonna have a good time. We're gonna talk about silly stuff like curses. Also, let's go sa- save the city and solve these crimes, boss. Um, and then. Tetsuo is like, <laughs> um, and like very blunt and and like cutting so, remarks. But he's, I, I mean, at at the same time, Ario knows like just how much uh, his partner is like also like also ridiculous and also exactly because like, <laughs> like Tsutsumi is using like all sorts of silly jokes, um, like fucking his fucking puns mm-hmm. at one point. He like talks about like hihaku soaps and is like, ha ha ha, uh, you wouldn't expect anything any to find any dirt on them because they're a soap company. Yeah, yeah, you get it. Um, and uh, yeah, telling telling jab jokes before you even know he's dead. 
Exactly. Um, the this scene is really tense because like these two seem to be on some sort of stakeout. They're talking about the curses, and Shogo's trying to get information about them, both like about the cops and the curses, but also trying to not get suspected of anything. Yeah. He manages to throw them off just enough, but he can't get them to leave, and he's also uncertain about whether his curse can affect more than one person at once, so it's too risky. And so he decides that he's just going to hoof it out of there. Um, so after that, you, uh, you have to figure out where your next location is going to be, and you have a couple choices. I'm going to take us in the, the most escalating possible route, um, where you can, uh, go and check out the bridge, which goes to the neighboring district, and that was, like, a, a bridge that had, like, a different legend, but that's not the one you find there. Instead, you find the most worm-in-the-dirt-type guy in the game, Yutaro. He, um, he has the best sweater, though. He does have the best sweater. I think, I think his aesthetic is very good. He is a worm, true. But, like, yes, he, I want that listen, sweater. <laughs> he is a hipster who knows how to thrift. Yeah. And, we, like, that is his one redeeming G- give feature. Give me your sweater. <laughs> because he immediately, like, does the fucking pushes up his glasses with yeah. his little finger smug anime guy thing is like, hey, don't worry. I just want to talk. You, uh, you're a curse bearer, aren't you? Let's talk. Oh, and, and uh, so you... weird, there's a girl over on the other side of your 360, uh, No, 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 okay. no, 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 don't, yeah. don't worry. No, yeah. don't worry about oh, her she, right she, now. She's like, she's just there. It's fine. Keep... No, 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 no. Yeah, don't, don't, don't worry, don't worry about, about her right now. Um, and, uh, you know, Yutaro is like, all right, listen. I've gathered a lot of soul dregs, but I think that we can do this even more efficiently if we join forces. And Shogo can have, you know, take take the conversation in a couple directions that are, like, more or less amenable. But Shogo is not really on board in general with this, especially if you take the route of finding out that uh, Yutaro has got... Uh, he killed, like, one person. One person, which means he's killed... <laughs> Maybe one or two normal people who aren't curse bearers. Yeah, and uh, and show goes like, oh, I'm at like, I'm at sixty seven percent. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm almost there. Yeah, and Utaro's like, what? Um, and then eventually things break down, and Utaro is like, fine, whatever. I'm just gonna use my curse to kill you right now. And uh, it's the foot-washing mansion. It manifests as some disembodied legs that are covered in sores and blood. And Yutara says, My curse is one of the most deadly. As soon as you hear the voice commanding you to wash the feet, you die. You sure do. And you sure do. You die instantly. And then we zoom out to the storyteller, who says, Oh my, you've met a less than satisfactory conclusion to this tale. Uh... Hey, do you know now how to evade this curse? I think that you probably do. You may, in fact, have your power to uh, do something that Shogo can't. It it is, in fact, a a method of evading this curse that only you can accomplish. Shogo will not realize it, so you must act on his behalf. And uh, what is is the method, Sarah, for uh, for evading this curse? Uh, you You just need to turn the voice down. 
You just need to yeah, turn you just it need to down. Turn the voice yeah, down. It's, well, it's really fun because early on, this the storyteller tells you about the options in the game. Like, hey, here's the options. You know, here's your your. You can you can you know thing. remove a voice that you don't want to hear. You know. Yeah, yeah. Here's the voice op- the the sound options. If you want to remove a voice you don't want to hear, just turn it all the way down. And uh, that struck me when I first played as odd like, no because no one's voiced. <laughs> yeah, the game does not have voice acting. Um, the only voices are like you know jump scares from the the ghosts, and so you turn that down and play that scene again. And, uh... Oh, hey. And Utara's oh, hey, nothing happened. Work. Weird. Yeah, nothing worked. Uh, and Utara's like, what? Why? It, what, why didn't it work? And then he, like, you know, Shogo's like, hey, I'm just gonna let you off easy. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, he doesn't let him N- off no, easy. No, Utara no, no, no. turns away and, and dies because either, either you press the button or Shogo presses the button for you. Yep. Um, and then you can see in the distance uh, some girl uh, walking away. Don't don't worry. Don't worry about her. About you know. that. Now let's talk about the gardens. Oh, the uh, the best, the best scene the, in the game. The best. One of the best scenes in the game. So, like, so like all this has been set up. Like we know what Shogo needs to do in order to kill someone. He meets up with Haraway in this. Our, our queen Haraway in this yep. in this garden. She reveals nothing about herself. She is uninterested in finding out any information about him because she's like, "Oh, it might make me feel bad if I have to kill you." Yeah, uh, just hand me, just give me your curse stone, and that's all. Yes. Just give me your curse stone. Yeah, apparently, like the way he phrases it in the flashback, like you you appear in the gardens, you look around, and then you just see her behind you, and he flashes back to like five minutes ago. I just came in the gardens and suddenly she was behind me and said, Hi, I've already activated the conditions for my curse, but I don't want to kill you. If you just hand over your curse stone, you can walk away from all this. And, uh... And you're given, like, so many, like, dialogue options and, like, just to try and, like, get out of the situation. And, like, you've gotten out of the situation with plenty of other characters by, you know, just convincing them to leave. But yeah. uh, she's like, no, she just will not budge. She eventually does reveal that she wants the to do the right to resurrect her son, who died last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you continue to try and push her to, you know, find some way in, she just counts down. She's like, all right, five, yeah. four, I'll, I'll give you some time. This is just, you know, yeah. I, I, it's just my whim. I just want to, you know, allow you time to talk before I kill you. Uh-huh. And, uh, and you reach zero. And you burn alive. And over her shoulder in the distance, you see none other than Richter Kai. Oh, and uh, funny, didn't didn't Richter ask you earlier if you had a light with you? If you had a light on you? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, we zoom back out. The storyteller's like, oh my, you've once again reached a less than favorable <laughs> outcome. Uh, but surely now you have some indication of what you need to do. Shogo, of course, will have no idea. But yep. you can can act on his behalf and conveniently you have access to shogo's items and you can yes. select the lighter and be like hey hey uh shogo throw that away and, shogo's and like, he's like what why, why am i yeah throw it away throw it away yeah just be the <laughs> impulse uh, you you basically can play the role of the intrusive thoughts <laughs> in shogo's head hey what why do i feel like just throwing this lighter away and so he does he throws it away uh and then you look sorry, over Haraway, Haraway. uh sorry to act against you 
my queen, but uh, in order for the plot to continue. Ma'am, I, ma'am, I will make up for it, I <laughs> promise. Uh, but yeah, so she is abs- like completely distraught yeah. and Ugh. completely breaks down and she goes to run away. And of course, she, she, Shogo does the one unforgivable thing and kills kills my wife, Haraway. Yeah, I know. Um the other ones um, i mean i mean i still don't forgive him for killing yako either but like <laughs> of course of course but you know to to be as to, to increase hyperbole to the max <laughs> this is the one and only unforgivable thing shogo does <laughs> um uh but he kills he kills her and with that he has reached over 100 percent. wow he's on his done it dome. he you know he, he survived the night Sometimes you're just really skilled at killing people with curse stones and like you just do it all in a matter of a few hours and it's just Yeah. And like, damn, this game went by fast. Uh that only took I wonder what like Yeah, like if you played it through one way through, you're like, Wow, I wonder what will happen if I don't kill everybody. But uh it's the same thing will happen. Well if even if you don't. (laughs) Yeah. Uh and uh you know, that that takes you what, like an hour? Maybe an hour and a half, mm-hmm. depending on. Uh, yeah, this was the point on, I got to you... where I was like, I want to try again and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, and this is where I got to when I was like, oh, I need to subject other people to this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so both of us played uh, played this again, and uh, you get to this point, and Shogo is like, ah, oh, this is great. Now I can resurrect Yoko. All right, let's do it. And his curse stone lights up. And you zoom out and see him dead with water coming out of his mouth and eyes and nose, just like every other victim of the Whispering Canal. Oh, wow. It looks like we, uh, you know, the thing that happened at the beginning that we saw. Uh, <laughs> the, the, news, the newscaster. <laughs> wow, it, it, wow, it happened. Hmm. Damn. Uh, and uh, so you you zoom back now and the, uh, the storyteller is like, ah, good news. We've unlocked the story chart. Uh, and her and yes. I were both like, yes, a story yes. chart. <laughs> yes. Uh, I love a fucking flow chart in a visual novel more than anything. Love more nonlinear than, than storytelling. <laughs> yes. And the storyteller basically walks you through. Like, if you've never played an Uchi Koshi game before, this is a great <laughs> fucking primer in what kind of tricks Uchi Koshi loves to play. Yep. Now, this is not by Uchi Koshi. It's, he's not involved in any way, but it does take a lot of... of I, I don't think he was involved in he any wasn't. way. He wasn't. And I looked at, and yeah. Yeah, I looked at the um, developers, and they were... Like, I was curious yeah. if the writer and director had worked with him at all, and I didn't see where they had. But, like, definitely, yeah, like, it's... pulling from the bag of tricks that Uchi Koshi loves to play with. Yeah. And, I mean, these are things that are, are in the... the space of visual they're, novels they're the, and yeah. puzzle box games so it's not like uchikoshi has like a trademark on them but he's just like the one people most know for he, these techniques he, yeah he keeps coming back to them and and does really fun things with them and like yeah but yeah visual novels themselves are kind of one prone to working within like this kind of story map and also like mm. negotiating like the difference between that you, the person making the choices and the character. And so, like, this is one of the cleanest examples of, like, being upfront, being like, this game is going to be about you influencing this investigation uh, mm-hmm. and you being separate from the characters that you were playing. Yeah. 
And so the storyteller tells you that now you can go back and using some of the information that you know, you can prevent some of this tragedy, perhaps. And so you go back to the point where that initial that initial curse happened, where Yoko died. Because Shogo this entire time has been insisting that he did not do anything to Yoko. He did not kill Yoko. And even though she seems to have died by the Whispering Canal... To be fair, he so, did not have the Whispering Canal at that point. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very mysterious, like, what happened... And so what you do is you uh, you don't press the button and you focus on Yoko and prompt Shogo to just like call her name until she calms down. And you can calm her down, bring her down. Shogo's like, all right, I insisted that she needs to go home and I paid for her cab fare. And then I promised like to assuage her concerns. <laughs> I swore that I would just spend the rest of the evening searching around this park just in case, like, I find anything and I'd let her know if I did. And then we cut to 5 a.m., sunrise, and we see in that same park, in the middle of it, Shogo Okie, dead, seemingly killed by the Whispering Canal. And then the title card drops. <laughs> oh, we've just started this game. All of that was the fucking prologue to the game. The game has not even started in, in, in full yet. And the storyteller zooms back and says, Hey, that was great. Now let's introduce our three protagonists. Oh, but first, um, like, how many people do you think Shogo killed? Uh, yeah, how many based people on your do, estimation, you think, do you think Shogo killed? So uh, the people who died by the curse of the Whispering Canal, um, if we're not counting Yoko in this, so let's not, let's not worry about Yoko in, uh, in this consideration. So five victims uh, total. Yeah, so we've got yeah, yeah, five five victims total. Um you had to do that to get to the the curse part. So, how many uh how many do you think and you can you can answer from none, one, two, three, four, or five. Uh so I I did a run where I uh pressed the button I think three times and then did not press it the other times. Mm -hmm. Um and then, of course, in the run that I subjected other people to, I, I made sure the button was pressed every single time. Yep. Sarah, uh, what results did you get in in yours? Oh, I did the extreme. I did the first one where I I killed everyone, and uh, and then the second one where I killed no one. So I got uh, yeah. five results um, for the one where Shogo killed everyone, and five for, and zero for the one where he killed nobody. Exactly. And so I I similarly got that number changing. And so the fact that the number can change really got me thinking at that point, because I'm like, okay, 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 we're really going all in on this whole, like, the difference between the player's yeah. action and Shogo's action. Yep. Yeah. Um, what was really fun is that the people that I, I subjected to this prologue had a really big discussion about that part about like, well, of course Shogo didn't kill anybody because you pressed the button mm -hmm. and that, you know, I think that's really fun because these, the people I played with do not regularly play visual novels. These are just like friends I know in town who I, I had over for dinner. And I was like, why don't I make them play a spooky game? Which uh, is a, a danger if you live near Runa, I guess <laughs> that you, everyone should be aware of. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's fascinating how well this game sort of, like, gets you to think in its own terms yeah. and sort of, like, teaches you how its mystery is going to be set up. It's great. Um, 
So uh, we we cannot we cannot possibly summarize the full of this game. We just wanted to summarize that prologue and get to the title drop because that was good as so hell. So fun. Like I um, I do think that your approach of like having some friends just play the first the prologue is a really fun idea and like yeah is a good introduction to the game and you'd be like okay if you really enjoy this go play the rest. But yes, um, I I do think I've got a couple of them hooked on it. Yeah, um, that's fun. I'm going to have to do something like this more often. But also, Paranormacite just, like, lends itself yeah. to that so perfectly. Yeah. Um. And uh, and so, basically, after this, we're introduced to three protagonists. We saw them before, but now we know that they are the actual people we're going to focus on. We get Harue, our wife. Yes. We get uh, Tetsuo Tsutsumi, the police detective who's like, you know, the old grizzled dad joke cop. And then we get Yako Sakazaki, who is the high school girl who Shogo killed without mercy. <laughs> um, or you killed without mercy. But yep. you know, like, most of the time for me, Shogo killed without mercy. Because <laughs> um, Yako, listen, Yako's curse isn't even that dangerous. Really? Like the fool's procession. I mean, it's not that. It's not that dangerous. All it does is it, it kills you if you listen to its music for thirty seconds without seeing the curse bearer. So if you see the curse bearer, it deactivates. Um, you know, not too difficult. Yako is not very good at hiding. <laughs> uh, but um, anyway, these are the three protagonists, and you follow them along, and there's you know like interconnections in their stories. It reminded me a lot of older uh, visual novels that I really loved, especially, you know, like VLR style, where yeah. you'd go through and approach a route and then there'd be a lock on it where you'd need to go and do something for another route. The logic between these is really, really fun. And yeah. I really loved There was the a real that... intentionality in like how that you were setting connections, like you were setting people up in the right position to talk to uh -huh. other people, to, like really thinking about like, okay... How do we get these kind of sep separate protagonists to work together? It was good. Yes. One of the most fun ways, uh, the, the one that gave me trouble, but I realized it uh, in time, was there's a part where you need Yako to talk to Tetsuo, but they're not in the same place necessarily. So at the end of one of Yako's segments, you have to have her go to the school, end there, and then you need to go to one of Tetsuo's and pick and hey, up. Hey, she's right there. <laughs> in the school. And then, wow, there's Yako and you can talk. And they're even and like, wow, was... it feels like divine intervention. And you're like, correct, I did this for you. <laughs> yes, yes. It's it's great. It's it's excellent. So let's just talk about the characters because I think that will, that will, I mean, like, and also the fucking, the fucking things that this game yeah. does. Um, I... I'm going to save Haraway because I know that there's a chance that we could go three hours if we start with Haraway. So, like, one of the fun things about opening up to three protagonists, right, is also we get three different curses. <laughs> and the yes. way they each get used is very fun. Like, um, really, Tetsuo's is very particularly useful for as far as like his is uh, basically if anyone tries to lie to him, he can kill them. Yes. But at the same because, time, go ahead. Yeah, but. Because, like, when it comes up in conversation, he gets the indication. He doesn't have to use the curse to know that someone has lied, yeah. which is, like, incredible for a game like this. 
And even, and also it turns out like, even when you press it, like he just ignores it. It's it's very funny. Oh, oh. <laughs> See, I, I I kept my hand far off the trigger. I was like, I I don't I don't listen. I don't want this cop to kill anybody, but also I feel like that would lead to an instant end. I went back uh, after I'd gotten pretty far because I was curious what he would do, and oh, he literally yeah, yeah, yeah. is just like he just carries on as though nothing happened. <laughs> yes, yes. You're like poking him with like intrusive thoughts, yeah, and he's like, just like kill, swatting kill, them away. Kill. He's like, hey, so yeah, that's that's a nice uh, thing yeah. you got going on. It's like. Like that fucking, like that fucking meme of like the demon inside you, but instead you just like, like, this is like, and it's like, this is like some gnat that's like in your ear. (laughs) Um, anyway, but, uh, we also get, of course, Yako, who's got the fool's procession. Um, Yako's great because Yako immediately meets one of the other best characters and my other daughter. Yeah. Who, I mean, maybe I ship with Yako a little bit. Absolutely. they are so There's, cute. This too is Yuri. Um, with Mio, who is like this child psychic, she's in uh, Yako's class, or maybe like just her grade in, in high school. And she's like a short, chubby girl who's got like this this star hairpin. And she's so cute. She's so cute. She is so cool, also. Yeah. She is like the coolest kid. Um,. She's, like, holding her own in conversations with adults and, like, putting adults to shame constantly because she, like, works with the police's, like, secret supernaturals investigation division that we find out that Tetsuo also used to work for. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mio is, though, like, she's kind of grouchy about the fact that she's basically an unpaid intern for it. And I guess points to Ario for also being like, do we not, does she not get yeah, paid? Yeah, do, do we not, uh, <laughs> is, is this not a labor violation? <laughs> um... <laughs> But uh, Mio is helping Yako use a spirit board to contact her dead friend, uh, Michio, who died a couple days, like a week before, under mysterious circumstances. Like people say that she fell, but it, her body looks too beat up to possibly have fallen from a building. But like the introduction to her path just starts straight off with she with her across from Mio doing like um, a yeah. spirit board. Uh, uh-huh. It's such a fun introduction to, like, cr- really creating a different atmosphere than the previous ones. Like, oh, you are a high school girl, and, like, this is your way of engaging with this kind yes. of theme, this kind of genre. Yes, fun. it's so good. It's so good. Um, and, yeah, like, Yako is, Yako is great because her story is all about her trying to find resolution for her friend Michio. Mm-hmm. And she's considering, like... Early on, she's like, okay, I got this curse stone in the middle of using the spirit board. Maybe maybe I can use it to bring Michio back. And Mio is immediately like, no. Yeah. Yako, Yako, focus, look at me. No, we can't do that. Um, and so it's, it's interesting to see, like, the struggle where uh, you have Tetsuo, who gets his curse stone, immediately knows, oh, shit, this is some curse stuff. I used to work in this mm-hmm. division in the police officer's stuff. Uh, I have to, like, collect these curse stones from people to make sure no one uses them. And then Yako, who's like, oh, I could do this to bring back my friend. And then Mia, who's like, Yako? Yeah. No, please don't Yako. And trying to help her find other ways to resolve that, you know, like, lingering grief over Michio's death. Yeah. And then you have Haruei, who is like, oh, I've got this curse stone. 
maybe I should kill a lot of people and use it to bring back my son. And she's hired Richter Kai, Private Eye, <laughs> to help find out about the kidnapper who is still at large of her son. So her son died a year ago. The police, like, are deeply connected to her family. Like, uh, her grandfather or something, I believe, is, like, a high-ranking police official. Mm -hmm. And so the kidnapper was, like, mocking the police, and they kept it out of the news. It was, like, really kept under wraps. And her son died. And because of that, she's just been grief-stricken. And also, it wasn't in the media. There wasn't any sort of, like press coverage there wasn't any sort of like formal apology for the police for basically bungling the whole thing and so now she's hired this private investigator to track down any leads that he can about her her son's kidnapper but also is like richter i just got this curse stone i think i can use it to bring my son back and richter's like uh, um ma'am <laughs> uh I mean, I I know I'm not exactly like super into doing everything 100% legal, but you, uh, ma'am, please don't uh, kill anybody. Let's put this on the back burner. Yeah. Like, you know, like, if you uh, kill anyone, I can't help you. So, uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he does say, like, all right, but if you would like to steal the curse stones from people who've already done murders, I'm glad to help you with that. And Haraway's like, Richter, that's a splendid idea. Let's do that. Richter um, is so funny because, like, he, I don't think he, I don't think he's a very good person, but he's a very funny person. No. Uh, like he, his, he's not wishy-washy so much as like, he's not willing to put, like, he's not willing to step into the situation, but he's willing to like, maybe like shift it around a little bit. Like he's kind of, a, uh -huh. he's a little bit of a weasel, I think, but like, yes. he's got a lot of charm. Yes. He Weasel, sort of like a, a weasel crossed with a golden retriever. Yeah. Right? And that's what, like, Haraway frequently mentions, like, he, he seems so much like a child. He's so energetic and always, like, excited. Because there's, like, a mini game in this game where you can search for bird stickers of birds that are designed to look like delinquents. So, you know, like, Sukeban or Bancho style, like, delinquent kids. Yeah. And those birds are so good. Yeah. Swanelope Swoost, I think, might be my favorite one, just because <laughs> that name. Uh, but anyway, you hear that there's some leads on on her son's kidnapper and go go look around. But meanwhile, you're also sort of like having Richter check out all their curse bearers to see if you might, you know, like, you know, maybe just like steal a curse stone once it's already full or uh, if, if possible... Haraway's like, I will use my curse, but if possible, I'd like to only use it one, one time. Once, you know. Once, just one time. And uh, Haraway is amazing. Like, her her default expression is just, like, completely dead, vacant eyes, barely parted lips, looking at you despondently. Heavy, and... heavy uh, bags under her eyes. Uh, yes. Like, just looks so tired. She's so tired. Ah, uh, ma'am, ma'am, I, uh, ma'am. <laughs> She's so beautiful. Yeah. Anyway, uh, her route involves a lot of walking around town with Richter and then sending Richter out like a Pokemon to do investigating for you. Feels the most Ace Attorney out of the It three. really is. <laughs> like, but partly because Richter feels a little bit like an Ace Attorney character. 
He um, does. And, like, he really does. Her is observations. Like, she's very much a little bit of, like, the, you know, the straight man to Richter's, like, uh, goofy. Absolute tomfoolery. Uh-huh. And, like, there, there is a fun, like, as far as my reading, like, there's no romantic chemistry between them, which is fun. No. Like, it, no. like she kind of, like, just, like, sees him from a very outsider's perspective, being, like, he's kind of a fascinating specimen, and also yeah. kind of a child, uh, and that makes him kind of fun to watch and like yeah i mean like the the game is the game does leave you open like for shipping things like so romance is not really a focus in any character's route uh i would argue you can read so much romance into mio and yako though but um but romance is not really a focus in this game so like you can certainly ship haraway and richter if you want but also you kind of can like see him as a surrogate son because yeah. he's so much younger. Um and she's constantly like like remarking on on like how childlike he is. Yeah. Um I mean like he's he's only like twenty years younger than her or something, but still uh it's it's very amusing the sort of like dynamic that they have. Uh and that it's really, really fun too because he's constantly sort of like cautioning her against doing extreme action, but not necessarily like for a moral standard. Right. It's mostly practicality. Yeah. And like he's willing to kind of set things up for her. Like we have already seen, like he's willing to uh, find this one curse bearer who is literally almost done and make sure that he has a light so that Haraway can approach him however she wants. Exactly. Because like, you know, in that part, you saw that with Haraway's souls, like, you got over full. And so, conversely, should should follow that Haraway killing Shogo there got to her fulfilling her curse stones yep. requirements, too. Um, yeah, Haraway is great. And so she's searching for her son's kidnapper or any information about that. And that leads her to figuring out that, wait... So the one person who saw something might actually have been Michio, the girl who died a week ago, who's Yako's bestie. Mm. Um, and the way that these routes intertwine is so fun because you get like these these interconnections while you're also jumping back and forth between them because you know like different different route scenes and chapter parts will open up. Uh, along the way as you play them and so you have to jump around a lot really great clever use of setting up the story beats so that you know like you're getting a sort of progression of the day as it goes on right because like eventually you make it through the night and you get to the daylight hours and curses can't really be used in the daylight so you know everybody's in sort of a information gathering mode which is actually where a bulk of the game takes place yeah yeah um and it's really cool the way that they set you up to figure out how to switch between routes and not only figure out how to progress the story, but how to get information about all these different mysteries. There's like, okay, what happened to Michio? Who killed her if she didn't die by suicide? And then what was her involvement in the kidnapping of Haraway's son? Mm-hmm. And then you find out that like, maybe Tetsuo's daughter is involved in all of this. So let's talk about some of the other characters now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we've already talked a little bit um, about Yutaro, uh, but 
Uh, Yutaro continues to just be his worm self in this, and uh, eventually, though, he will break and give Tetsuo his curse stone really quick, because, like, if you've cut the voice volume down, his curse also doesn't work on him. Yep. And uh, then he he will eventually break and say that, like, yes, there was a, a woman with him uh, who who was helping him do curse stone stuff. Uh, and mm, that's suspicious. We did see that woman in the background, didn't we? Oh, yeah. Huh. She keeps just like showing up places. Huh? Yeah. Strange. Um, and uh, and then you've got Araishi, who is a history teacher and local historian. And what a fascinating character who is in, like, the margins of this story. Because he's, like, this grouchy-looking guy looks incredibly unhappy to be anywhere at any given time. He's the one who wrote the article that publicized the Rite of Resurrection and, like, all of this stuff that basically got everybody excited about all of these curses and, and the legends and everything. And, uh... He encounters Tetsuo and also gets convinced to give up his curse stone in exchange for hearing all the details about other people's curses because that's what he really wants. Like, somebody did promise him, like, millions of dollars for the right of resurrection, but he's like, no, 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 no. I am a historian. I want to know the details of the curse. Yes. Um, So he's like, I want the resentful memories and the curse stones. He did also kill a number of people with his curse, though. Sure did. He sure maybe ki- almost killed Shogo back up. He, he did, too. <laughs> um, I think what we find out by, like, the morning after Tetsuo and Ario get, like, calls saying that, like, first there was definitely someone trampled to death. So, like, Yutaro killed at least one person, and we know he got 1% soul dregs. Uh, there was somebody disemboweled, which is, like, the ever-burning lantern, does Yutaro's trample to death? I don't actually remember what uh, Yutaro's it's, does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's Well, I forgot the exact details, but it, it ties it to the foot-washing mansion, basically. Right, right, right. Um, uh, and then there's another death that was at the school that's actually the really creepy teacher that Yako sees as she and Mio are sneaking out, cornering a different student, and that creepy teacher uh, is dead in a way that's strikingly similar to the way that Michio died, but basically it just looks like all his limbs are mangled and broken, like he's just like been hit by a Mack truck. Mm-hmm. Except for uh, he's in the middle of the school field, so definitely no tire marks, so no Mack truck hit him, and way too far from any buildings to have like fallen from there, because unless he like was going at 60 miles an hour off the top of the building when he he left it. So, you know, very three very mysterious deaths that are tied clearly to curse stones. The interesting thing is that that teacher's death is tied sort of like to the fool's procession, but like we saw Yako, we didn't press the button. Yeah. In fact, Mio like pushed her got her to not press the button. Yeah. Even if you press the button um, it just doesn't uh yeah, you can like, so what happens is you can you can actually activate her curse and then uh Mio will like draw the people's attention so that they see Yako and it nullifies the yeah. activation condition. The mysteries around like how people die as like helping you kind of unravel like yes. the mystery of it is a really good touch and like like at first when I was playing, I didn't have a good sense of, like, what kind of death was tied to what curse. But, like, mm-hmm. as 
as the um, files get filled in and like you as you get access to each curse and you can visibly see like oh this thing is activated by this and it causes this mm-hmm. specific death it's not that they all cause drowning the canal yeah. is the only one that does drowning Te- uh-huh. technically we'll get to it but then like um yes yes uh like the fact that there are different deaths for each one of these as a huge clue for like who is doing mm-hmm. these is like a really good element of the writing yeah and so like Araishi continues to sort of like be in the background where he's like kind of a source of information eventually yako and mio also meet up with him because like he's literally a teacher at their school and god the conversation with him basically these girls are like how do we get information out of him without you know him suspecting what we're really doing oh we just need to like uh butter him up it'll be fine and like it's so yeah, easy just like flatter him say oh my god you're so smart and i want to hear about your research that nobody appreciates in the academic circles and like when he when he doesn't respond you'd be like you act disappointed and he's like okay okay <laughs> yep um and uh it's great it's great because he's basically like more than happy to like just brag about all of his information um and uh and so you you learn that there's like an additional scroll that goes along with the original legend of the resurrection ritual um and all of these things seem to be tied up together Richter and Haraway eventually run into Tetsuo and Ario as they're like investigating the kidnapping because Ario and Tetsuo are also it, like looking after Michio because Michio might have been like uh one of the people that that is involved in the mysterious deaths but then also uh she was one of the people witnessed with Shuichi, who's Haraway's son, who died last year. And it's like the way that these things meet up and you have the characters cross paths is great. Yeah. Um Yeah. Uh let's talk uh let's talk really briefly about um one of the uh one of the other No, mm, do I I don't actually I don't want to say anything about uh about the janitor. <laughs> oh yeah, I have yeah. <laughs> um he he is very important to the story. Yeah, I feel like we don't we don't need to like completely unpack the mysteries, I think, in this no, episode. I, I can... was just gonna talk about him, but I'm like, no, we don't he's God, if you want toxic old man Yaoi. Yeah. God. I do think that there's I I don't think it leans fully into fat phobia, but like it definitely uses like the fact yeah. that this character lost a lot of weight as a mechanic, but like at the same time, it's like, oh, the only time we see a fat character is when they are associated with a, gr- yeah. a gruesome murder. It's like there, there's like this record of uh, a serial killing that happened 20 years ago or something, and like the uh, the person who did it was like, uh, like the only picture we have of him is like a headshot showing that he's very fat, right. and then police are like, well we can't find him now in in the present and it's because he's lost a lot of weight and it's one of those that's like honestly for other games and yeah. and like it's contemporaries doing great do like it's the, only a mechanic but at the same time like it is still not something that i loved to see yeah. um especially because really like the what is it the only character other than him who's not super skinny is Mio who's right. like very cool but she's also just like you know she's she's very slightly chubby high schooler right right you know 
it's not really the best. And like there's there's still like a very limited of when you see like fat characters in these narratives. Mm-hmm. They're either a bad guy or they are a like stereotype. So it's like Exactly. Exactly. Just um, just put a pin in that. Like it's not a huge thing as far as this game is concerned. Like they only really use it from a mechanical basis. Uh but it's there. Yeah. It's one of those that's like better than its contemporaries, but also we would like it to be like way better than that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and so then we've got um we've got Ayame. Ayame. Ayame is the most fun She's character so... in this game. Look, we don't have to get <sighs> into it, but her I, No, scene, yeah, we shouldn't, but her scene with Haroe truly is so good. They're so fun. It's it's so funny. Ayame is just like so fun. <laughs> Ayame just like approaches Haroe and Richter and is like, "Oh, hi. Hello. Um, might I ask inquire of you two people out and about right now? Um, are you curse bearers? And might I just like have your curse stone? Could you just give it to me? Um, see, I was working with this guy and he thought that we were like a thing, but we really were not a thing. Like he's kind of a loser. And he was a total disappointment. He just gave the curse stone to the cops. Like who does right? that? And I even, I even had to like push him to use it. Like, oh my God, he was such a Ugh, disappointment. So embarrassing. Anyway, like, could you just give like, Look, I I don't want to tell you what I want it for because you'll laugh. Like you, you won't under you won't get it, but like I really need it. Like I really need to do this ritual. Yeah, it's it's important not just for me, but like for society. I like it could change. Like you know how when you have the power to like really do good and you like yeah. you could if you could resurrect anyone, don't you think you should do that yeah. for someone like worthwhile, someone who still had potential, like had yes. room to grow. Uh, so, yeah, I want to bring back a historical figure, uh, yeah, um, like, I'm really, I'm really- Hey, do you, do you remember the, 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 the big wave, the seven views of Fuji and whatnot? I want to bring back Hokusai. Yeah, you know, like, I want, I want to do something big with this, right? Like, so, yeah, I need, I need a curse stone, um, please. (laughs) She's so fun. (laughs) And she's serious about this, like- She's absolutely 100% serious. Everybody's like- Okay, she's probably lying because her real reason is something emotionally vulnerable. No, no, no. She's, she wants she to bring back Hokusai. Ah, <laughs> um, uh, so good. God, what a character! She's so good. She is incredible. Um, yeah, just like immaculate character in my opinion. Her, her expressions are so like she. Yes. she does not give Richter the time of day, and it is so. Yes, funny. listen, listen, look. Yame gives the energy of, like, a lesbian who's dating yes! men and just, like, really hates men but keeps dating them because she hasn't really come to terms with the fact that she doesn't like men. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, God, when she's talking to Haraway, Haraway can get, like, a nice cordial conversation with her. And then every time Richter even speaks up, she, like, Did goes, I talk like, to you? oh, my I'm, God. He's so creepy. Why is he staring at me? Like, why is he here? Why is he talking to me? Oh, my God. Get this out of here. <laughs> <She's> so funny. <sighs> She's she's perfect to me. The women in this game, like I think, yes. without, without these women, it in this the way they are in this game, this game would be a fun experience, uh, mm-hmm. and like I would be like great example of a use of these mechanics, really doing mm-hmm. some fun things. The women are take it over the top, like if like they are the reason to play this game. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Like the even like the younger cast, like so Yako and yep. Mio 
these girls are like so good because yeah. they are doing things alongside the adults, but they like have a very clear goal, right? Yeah. Like Mio is doing a lot of this to help Yako process her grief mm -hmm. while also trying to like, okay, she is definitely like, if, if we are not careful, she would believe the curse stones sort of like mutterings that she can bring back Michio. Oh, and, and like maybe, maybe, um, hmm, weird how uh, Yaku keeps forgetting what's happening and uh, how people keep yeah. showing up dead by uh, the specific effects of her curse. Uh. Yeah, it's it's really cool because like they, God, so they go to investigate the scene of that teacher's death and she's like, oh my God, this hair tie, it's one of Michio's hair ties. I know because Michio and I both bought the same hair ties together. And right then and there, I was like, Oh, uh -huh. oh, honey. <laughs> I see. Um, it's great because this game really is like such a satisfying puzzle box when pieces click together because they give you the clues. Yeah. They, they literally give Mr. Policeman all the clues. Yes. <laughs> um, and they're also like, Oh, uh, oh, you're, you haven't talked to your daughter. She's, uh, in college. Oh, there's yeah. only like this one. This is the one thing that, yeah, this was the one thing that tripped me up is that if, if you misread character bios, yeah, you yeah. can get confused. But if you read character bios, right, you're like, hey, there's only one character who it says is a girl in college. Yeah. Huh. Oh, and huh. I think part of the misleading thing is like, we keep seeing Ayame everywhere, but oh, yeah. you don't realize that, that she's only shown up in two of the plot lines. She hasn't shown up and there's yeah. a reason. Yeah, it's it's really good. It's it's really really good. Um and yeah, and so like eventually with Yako you you realize that she's she when she went to lay flowers on Michio's the site of her death, she got possessed briefly and then the curse stone sort of like amplified that possession. Mm -hmm. And so Michio's ghost has been sort of like, you know, taking a test drive in Yako's body and did some murder. And like there's all the setup like just with Mio talking about spirits and being like, yeah, in order for like usually when a spirit tries to like engage with a person if there's like a di there's a disconnect like they can't they don't quite yeah. merge, but like if it's someone that they were very close to, then mm -hmm. there there can be an assimilation there, and it's like all this setup to explaining why these things are happening to Yako. That's very well yeah, done. it's great too because like you can see Yako's personality change mm -hmm. slightly in the writing, and at different moments, Mio will even comment on like different dialogue options you can choose that are like kind of less of what Yako would actually say. Yeah, a little bit more, you know mellow a little bit more unnerved and it's more complicated than just like she's being possessed by michio it's that like they are kind of assimilating like their personalities yeah. are kind of becoming They're like the same. blurring together sort of like cream and coffee yeah um and so yeah that's it's just a really really fun thing because like michio is so like lost and confused and also died in such like a brutal way yeah. um and then uh, Yako and Mio are trying to figure out not only how to, like, get justice for Michio, but how to how to process Yako's grief over that, yeah. which is a huge thing. And, like, the frustration that Yako feels that she, like, that they had grown distant and that she wasn't able mm -hmm. to, like, interfere with the things that were happening in Michio's life, like, gets yeah. absolved, too, into Michio's, like, anger and resentment mm -hmm. and, like, becomes, you know gets to the point where uh you know these murders start to happen so like it's yeah. just really 
really cool uh, how they do it. Yeah, it's that that's really, really great. Um, and I really appreciate how much of this game about, you know, chasing a power that could bring someone back from the dead is about grief and yeah. loss. Yeah. Um, it's it's really, really great. And uh, throughout all of this, we also, you know, like we've been unlocking more and more little pieces of the, you know, like the the actual stories behind the uh, mm-hmm. the the seven mysteries, which are nine mysteries, of course. Whenever you find one of the cursed stones, you get the actual story behind it instead of like the right. Yeah, it, it like unlocks in the the your like glossary. So like yeah. we we don't have the whispering canal anymore because we're not Shogo, but we still have like the details that the whispering canal was actually about, like a young girl whose father left and disappeared and then her mother went to find him and she disappeared and then the girl was left with no one and so she wandered out the streets looking for her parents and then drowned in a canal. And that's why Whispering Canal has the power to kill anyone who abandons you Mm -hmm. or, like, walks away. Um, And so that's how all of these end up being, like, Tetsuo's... uh, evergreen beach you know that's the one where it's like well why is this even a legend it was just like an evergreen tree and then you find out that it's actually about like a guy who a local daimyo hung up because he was like yes we're going to say that this man spread false rumors about the power of resurrection and we are going to string him up for his lies here and so that's why that one can now detect lies and kill anyone who dares to lie Mm -hmm. yeah they're it's really so good cool. stuff. Yeah. Um, and then eventually you find out that, like, in going through these, you're like, wait a second. Wait a second. Some of these things seem to be connected. <laughs> and, like, they straight up are like, huh, there's some strange overlaps here. Yeah. Yeah, like, some of the same names pop up in a couple of them. Some of these even seem to be, like, connected directly to one another. There's, like... The Haunting Clappers and the Taiko of the Sugaru are really interesting ones mm-hmm. because, like, so Ayame and Haraway have fun interactions, uh, and uh, Ayame is also mentioning stuff about, like, the, the Taiko of the Sugaru because she lives in, like, the area and she knows a lot about the mysteries. And then Haraway is, you know, talking about hers and she's got the Haunting Clappers. And then you see, like, the interconnection between those two where it's, like, these kind of look like they're sort of like parallel things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, it's fascinating there. I don't want to go into detail about the exact way all of these yeah. connect, but it's a really, really good. And like, we've, we've actually, despite like talking a lot about plot stuff, we've actually held back a lot. There's even like a really cool, sexy woman. I, I haven't mentioned for the sake of, of holding something back. I know. It's uh, so good. But she is extremely hot. I'm like, well, God. And her section, like, oh my God. There's a section in the game. Like, wow, I thank you. I wanted to play Zero's Gate for a little bit. Exactly. Thank you. I was like, oh my God. Yes. Literally, hey, you like Zero Escape, right? Let's play Zero Escape. That was the section that tripped me up because I could not, I was, Selecting boxes, trying to get nail polish remover, and like you. Ha- oh I yes. S- I had to like do it. Select the item, and like that was that was my hang up where I had to like look up. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's it's one of those like the situ- section that we talked about where we had to set up the t- teenage girls to be 
in yes, a spot. Yes, to be at the school where the cops saw them. Yeah, it's a spot where, like, the mechanics are get used really well because we have to go find the information elsewhere to help this situation. Yes. Uh, yes. It's very good. It's extremely good. Um, So now, one thing that I do want to talk about is the way that... So, we, uh, we've played a lot of games that sure. uh, have similar mechanics like this, and... I think that the way the game pulls in, like, the player as a distinct character in the narrative is really, really excellent and some of the, like, tightest we've seen so far in things that we've covered. My feelings about it were it was it was very clean and it was mm-hmm. set up, like, within the full narrative in a way that, like, they really, like, approached the game intending to do this. Uh-huh. It feels just as ambitious as they could easily like for me like if i think about other instances that do similar things they are swinging harder they're making bigger like yes they're more ambitious and therefore much harder to wrestle this one is like only as ambitious as it can wrestle and so like it wasn't one of those situations where i was like oh i'm going to be thinking about this forever instead it was like yes oh you're taking all the things that i have seen like people grapple with and is like a really tough nut to crack and like really uh-huh. engaging with it in a very like controlled way. Like they very much understood like how is the mechanic engaging with mm-hmm. uh, the other mechanics in the game, like the curse stones and like how, like when are choices being made and why. Um, so it was kind of like one of those, it just was where it's like, Oh wow. I'm so proud of you for, <laughs> for getting yeah. this mechanic down and like making it work. I, it's hard to explain like, why it doesn't like I why I'm not going to be like man I can't stop thinking about how it used it because it it felt very controlled and like Mm -hmm. that's a hard thing to explain like why what makes it different than like say if we're talking like the biggest the best comparison probably is to do like if you think about like however 17 is like a messy game Yes, uh, but like it takes a swing, and like uh, I will always think about that swing, and like, uh, and like this one where it's like, well, when you go into it, like fully, like understanding what your limitations are, and the kind mm-hmm. of the game you can come out with, knowing those limitations, and like how you get different products from those two approaches. Yeah, and I do think that like if if you have never played a game like. Ever 17. Well, I hope you've never played Ever 17. <laughs> um, but if you've never played a game like that, that takes those big swings, like those are games that are trying to hit like a legendary home run. Right. They are And they are so for... hard to yeah. get. And uh, even, honestly, even things like the the AI Somnium Files yeah. uh, Nirvana Initiative sort of like bonus stuff, right? Yeah. Like, that's a big swing they made for just, like, basically a bonus scene, right? And, like, we'll Um, talk, we are, we've put it on our calendar that we're gonna do an abbreviated version of Steins Gate. Yes. Steins Gate is another one that I think is Uh pulling a big swing, but it has so many, the game itself, that's another day. Uh, But, like, there's something about, like, going so far out field of what the player's expectations are and wrangling it in to make it make sense that it's very hard Mm -hmm. to do and can sometimes only be successfully done. And I don't feel like this game was interested in taking that big of a swing. It was interested in like fully 
presenting its mechanics straightforwardly to like we know straight from the outget that we are interfering with these characters it's yeah. not a secret to us and like even some of the mystery elements like i felt like and maybe this is one of those things that other people playing this game will have a very different experience with like for mm-hmm. me like the reveal about yako felt a little bit like it was not quite a reveal because it had set you up to solve it yourself but at the same time yeah like there were moments in this game where i was like it could be pushed like you could either have it to where we are actively aware of what's going on and the character doesn't and there's an irony in that or you could have it where it's like set up as a reveal and like either you're either you are um vindicated in what you're thinking or like completely blown away and i think that this one Mm -hmm. kind was kind of in the middle like by the time that yako's stuff was revealed like i already had a good sense of it but it hadn't quite the point where i was like waiting for it to be revealed and i think yeah maybe if they pushed it a little bit more to where there was like we were more aware of things going on with yako before the characters were like hey yako we need to talk yeah and I think that's the sort of, like, needle that this threads. And it, yeah. it basically it lands in that area of, like, if you are new to this, like, either the genre or even, like, the mode mm-hmm. of visual novels, I think this game can be, like, absolutely blow you out of the water. Sure. If you're experienced in it, especially like us, like, we've played so many games that do these similar things. These are the game mechanics that, like, I if I ever think about making a visual novel, my brain is thinking about. So, like, I can't help yeah. but think about them as far as, like, okay, how well is it use it here? Like, where can it be pushed? Um, like, I'm really much engaging with it. Like, this is my genre of visual novel, and therefore I am critical of it in a way that someone who's just engaging with the game is not going to be. And so, like, I'm like, wow, you did good here. Oh, this was really exceptional mm-hmm. here. So, like, my engagement with this game is, like, I really liked it. I was really happy to play it. And I have some minor things where I was like, you could push it a little bit more and it would be like really excellent. But overall, I think the game is very tight. I think it does what it set out to do exceptionally well. Um, Mm -hmm. My grievances are very minor, just about like, okay, where does the, where do you bring the audience in? Where do you give information? And like, how do you push that kind of, relationship between the player and the game like extra far because i think they did it so successfully with shogo's Mm -hmm. section that by the time we got to where we were really doing the investigation it felt like okay we are just doing investigation where the mechanics kind of stepped back for a while like Uh uh-huh uh we got because one um tetsuo's just like does not get affected by the curse stones at all like once we get yeah. to, like, the daylight, it's just, like, straight-up investigation time, and we are less engaged mm-hmm. with those mechanics. Um, as we kind of talked about, like, the the Zero Escape kind of section brought it back in a really good way, and so I was really happy to see that. So it was kind of like the, maybe the three-fifths, four-fifths section of the game, I think, is where it kind of slowed down and stopped really engaging with those mechanics in a way that I think it could have better, but then it really kind of solidified it at the end, where they were bringing those mechanics back in because they could start to think about, like, okay... What endings do we get if these characters mm-hmm. engage, start to engage with these mechanics directly? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it does, it does like just enough to go beyond what is like typical in the genre, yeah. but not doing things that are like completely unheard of in the genre. So like 
it is it is taking exactly the amount of risk that they know they can yeah, accomplish. Exactly. So rather than swinging for like the bleachers and hitting a legendary home run, they are hitting a solid triple. Yeah. They are getting all runs on, and they they have like finished and wrapped up like a very tight successful story. But like, yeah, I, I do agree. Also, like the interesting thing is that. Shogo's section in some way is like a vertical slice of the game. Right, so, you know, like right. in, in, in game development, when you're doing like a big thing and you want to like show off, here's the game that uh, you could have publishers if you want to fund it, is you make like this vertical slice of all the different sections that you could go through. And that's basically what it does. It gives you a sample of all the uh-huh. things that you will need to go through the rest of the game. And then it's interesting when those call back to that. But, you know, like... The game also needs to have its narrative go through, and so the narrative needs of the game push the mechanical uh, elements a little bit towards the end, because, you know, you can't have too many of those new mechanics come up when we're focused on getting the story progressed through. It is very interesting, the the few that they introduce there, like the moving people into the right place at Mm -hmm. the right time and other stuff. Uh, But yeah, it very much sets its own boundaries and limits. It tells you exactly what to expect. It delivers on that pretty strongly. And I think that, you know, like, from the standpoint of, hey, do you want to play a good fucking game? Yeah, yeah. Um, This is a good fucking game. Like, this is good food. Like, I, we so rarely get games that, like, it's becoming more and more common to, like, for games to kind of consider, like, this meta level between these things. So, like, Uh it's not... This is not a rare game, but it is still not so common that we get them that, like, I'm, like, I'm still hungry for it all the time. So, like, it was so good to have this game playing with those mechanics. One thing that I, that I think and say often is the thing that is, is rare and exceptional sometimes is simply doing something very, like, executing an idea very, very well. Yes. And this game really does that. And not just, like, so... It it does the mechanics and the ideas that it sets out to, but it also has delivered us a story that I felt pretty satisfied with yep. and did not feel like was like, oh, that's just a, an absolute mess by the end. Because here's the thing, horror, especially when it's set up as like a suspense or a mystery thriller right, right. or things like that, oh god, it's so easy for that story to like feel completely unsatisfying by the end yeah and this did i think a a, i think it pulled it off yeah pretty good job um got a lot of good emotional points had some great character moments has again like we said again the women so many women like i think as i said earlier like all these things that i've kind of said that are not really criticisms but just like observations as a fan of this Uh kind of game design like I think without, like, the women are what I'm going to keep thinking of. Like, when uh-huh. I, I'll think about this game in terms of, like, how it is doing things that other games I love are doing, like, as a ca- as a example of how you engage with, like, this story chart mechanic and, like, uh-huh. the, how the player is impacting the character's choices. Like, I will think about it in those terms, but then uh-huh. if I am... Thinking about this game and like how much I enjoyed it, I will be thinking of the women. <laughs> yeah, that and like the the very elegant use of the cursed mechanics. Absolutely, and I think that one of the things that this game is going to be really good for is 
it seems to be doing pretty well. Um, of course, I mean, I, I, I don't have sales figures and yeah. I'm only gauging this by like my own circles, which are inherently biased sure. because I <laughs> like, listen, I love horror and visual novels. So yeah, obviously yeah. there's going to be an amount of bias, but you know, like in that sense, if this game is doing all of these different things very well, then it can serve as sort of like, okay, this is a baseline. Sure. And now we need to think about going beyond this, right? And so by, you know, sort of like being a nice, very competent uh, example, we can like say, okay, okay, let's encourage people to go beyond what Paranorma Site does. And I think that's where we're going to see really, really exciting things. And hopefully it, it continues to do well so that, you know, people... Not just like the people who made it, right. but I mean, like I, I do, I do think that this team could go on to do. Listen, even if we just saw like another game similarly competent, uh, uh, sure, absolutely, yeah, like with listen, new characters, totally, yeah, completely, like it would be great. Uh, f- fucking listen, I love a death game. I know. <laughs> uh, and you know, but I, I hope that this also inspires other people to like synthesize these mechanics and ideas into something to take more of those big risks because like you know Uchikoshi has made a lot of games and how many did he make before it really felt or like I know we can only speak for ourselves but like how many did he try these sort of ideas in before and he's still trying and like I wouldn't he, say he, he, all, he all, doesn't many times he uh, doesn't fully get there like it's it's a hard needle to thread like I it think is. the only game that does it better than Paranorma Site is 999. Exactly. That's that's my thought as well. Um, and, you know, that's sometimes that's the way it works out. But honestly, I think that is the way to do, do things sometimes. Yeah. It's like I, as a designer, um, I, I am always wanting to take a big swing yeah. at, at some of these ideas. And like, you know, sometimes you don't in a game sometimes either scope or just like the constraints of time you you sort of like pull yourself back and you don't make those big swings but like i always want to take one of those big swings and i think that it's great to see whenever people make those big swings and like i think this game is doing like the the story mechanic is not this game's only swing like i think Mm -hmm. where it really excels is its atmosphere its use of like for, it's used a folklore and horror. Oh god, yeah. The the UI design. Mm-hmm. The UI design in this is immaculate. The fucking aesthetic stylings yeah. and the visuals in this game are so confident in yeah. themselves. The the curse mechanics when they use them, I, like I said, I do think there's a section where the curse because partly because it's like daylight, but partially because the game is focusing on the mystery that the curse mm-hmm. mechanic kind of takes a step back. Um, but when it is used, it's done exceptionally well. Um, yep. so I think there are elements like we are focusing on like the meta narrative aspects, the stuff where, um, there is an overarching relationship between the user and the characters that mm-hmm. I think this game is using very intentionally and within, within a very specific limitation that works really well. Um, uh-huh. but in so, some of its other aspects, I think it is like, absolutely excels beyond like uh many games as far as like its design absolutely absolutely um easy recommendation yeah like one of the easiest recommendations we've ever made on the podcast because there's there's not a lot of uh caveats i would say other than like i mean like it it, it, there are jump scares jump scares there are a few like really 
the most gruesome deaths are honestly the ones where characters have drowned. Uh, there's a couple where yeah. there's like a little bit of gore, but like the most gore, most gore is just mentioned in text. It's not shown. Yeah, uh, the goriest thing that you do see on screen is like one optional bad end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where you see like uh, the effects of a particular curse stone that yeah. then is referenced a lot later, but you. You only see that one as the example of what it looks like when it happens. Right. And that's, you know, one one brief scene. Other than that, most of it is going to be either abstract shots or things that are kind of held at just enough distance that yeah. you don't actually see, like, bones or, or broken flesh or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and other than that, you know, like... I had such it's a fun a time. Pretty, God, it's such a good time. I literally... Uh, finished almost all of it in a single day yeah. because uh, and it did not feel like you know like there have been times where I've been like okay I'm behind right. I need to sit down and buckle down for a long gaming session and it does get hard when you like play the same game for like yeah. six hours in a row because yeah. like I mean that's hard. Some visual novels can really take like <laughs> yeah but this game I could not put it down I kept being like like, we had, before, uh, when we had decided to cover this game, I looked up, like, how long is it? And I was, and even, like, a few hours in, I was like, it's only 15 hours? How, I was, yeah. there's still so much to go on. And, like, it never, it didn't feel too short. Like, I felt like there was still, like, I never felt like exactly I was running out of time with the game in a way that, like, when a game is shorter than you want it to be. I think that it was just because there was, like, because everything was used in service of the story, it only needed yes, to be 15 yes. hours because it was so tight. Uh, exactly, exactly. Like, God, let's compare it now briefly as we close out, because I think we're, we're, we're drawing to a close, but let's compare it briefly to another visual novel that is perhaps the opposite of tight and efficient that we've also been playing uh, recently oh, called yeah. Aoi Shiro. <laughs> Yeah, playing so, this while wrapping up Awashiro. <laughs> yeah, so, dear listeners, I sincerely hope you have not been watching the Awashiro stream. That's not That's um, not true. It would it, well, it would be nice it, to be it honest, is. But. It, listen, there are fun parts, but also, I will, I will confess, having gotten so far into it, and Lord, how many hours has it been? We started this in May, and I know that there have been, like, five or six weeks I've taken off of it for various things, but, like... Starting so often in May, nothing is happening in that game, and I, I feel bad that you're yeah. taking so much time to do it. So so often, it's not just that so little is happening, but, like, so they reuse a lot of scenes, and it's difficult to kind of, like, gauge, because the game, as it was re-released in the remaster, doesn't exactly have a way to, like, only stop skipping when you reach text you haven't read before. It right. just skips or doesn't skip. But also, so this game also uses uh, traditional folklore, it also ties it into, like, mysteries around the interconnected uh, stories of different characters. You know, like, this is a this is a mode of storytelling that has been around for a while. People have attempted it before. But there is just, like, so much excess in it. There is it's so just much so much. It just, like, really wants to tell you things instead of, like, telling you a story, I think. Yeah. And it's, like, in some ways, like, there are moments of that that's charming, and then there are other moments where you're, like, on your fifth conversation about the etymology of a particular folktale phrase that <laughs> might have a, like, 
tangential meaning connected to another idea that's been thrown out in conjunction to one tangent of a character's story yeah. arc. Um, that's the point at which you start to feel like you're kind of lost and yeah. you have lost, like literally lost the plot yeah. and you're like, what's going on? Aoishiro... Having that comparison between Aoishiro and like Paranormosite shows how much Paranormosite, like how skilled it is at giving you information Mm-hmm. In a way that keeps you engaged with it. Like, the, by the end of the game, you are well-versed in what the nine uh, Cursed Stones stories are. And, like, yep. you you are entrenched in kind of this narrative. Whereas, like, I've I've watched Runa read so many hours of Aoishiro. Uh, I could not I could not tell you much. <laughs> I, I, I can tell you a lot about it, but <laughs> the amount I tell you will not sound like the 80 plus hour game that it is yeah <laughs> um you know like it's been it's been a good seven months now or something like that yeah it's been like seven months now um maybe six months if you count the the times that i've i've taken weeks off but uh pretty much an hour or two every week of the all those six months that's a that's a lot of game and a lot of it we've even skipped over parts and there's just like so much there. And sometimes it, it leads to some interesting character things, but a lot of time it's just like slightly rephrased versions of scenes yeah. that add very little yeah. in ways that, I mean, like that's that's not necessarily bad, but ultimately, you know, not a lot of people are willing to sit through an 80 to 100 hour yeah. visual novel from 2008. Um and Respect for the people who translated that back in yes. 2008. Oh god, yeah, the fan trans like I'm not surprised the official translation got uh what seems to be a rush job because like how do you do anything but a rush job for <sighs> a secondary market translation of a game with like such a colossal amount of text? Yeah. It it's it's truly an undertaking. But Aoishiro is a great counterpoint to Paranormosite because like it's so expansive mm-hmm. and it has so many different different dead ends for conversations and different plot threads and things like that compared to Paranormosite, which is working like similar thematic grounding and just like has so many characters and story interactions and story beats and plot points and mechanics that all fit together yeah. so, so, so smoothly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really, really... Really also excellent to see how, like, the medium and the genre space has come in those 15 years as well. Yeah. That this is, like, a pretty major game release. Like, publisher uh, Square Enix did, like, a pretty good press pu- uh, coverage for it from what I've seen. At least, like, I mean, it reached the target demographic of yeah. me and Sarah. <laughs> uh, so, and, and like a lot of people have told us to play it, so it's it's you know it's gotten it's gotten pretty good coverage, I think. Um, so I'm really excited to see what you know if this if Paranormosite is like the rock dropping in the pond. What are the ripples from this? Exactly. That's what I'm really yeah. interested to see in the future, and and what it inspires other people to do, and what maybe comes of this. Yeah, further what on gets funding and all that? Because yeah, I hope, exactly, I hope exactly. it ends up uh, being a, a considered a major success by the publishers yes i i hope hopefully so hopefully so and hopefully we just see more things like this and in this vein um you know whether it's like 
just perfectly competent execution of things we like to see or some more risky experimental stuff mm-hmm. like those are all things that i am i am excited for in the future yeah uh go yep. if you if you've made it this far and you haven't played the game go play the game it's only 15 hours it's so yeah. fun uh if you i mean if you're really weak to jump scares um maybe watch a let's play or something where you can kind of be prepared for it but yes yes i, I think it's I, worth it yeah agreed agreed um and are there any other parting thoughts that we have about Paranormasite? Uh, because we can't, we can't talk about the depths of our love for two specific characters. It's it's so much fun. Uh, it's just so that, much like fun. I went into it with no real understanding of it. I was kind of I didn't even realize that it was kind of like a historical story. I just, just kind of assumed it was a modern. Um, oh yeah, so, yeah. Like, no, same, same. Until we got into into it, and they're like, "This has just been introduced." The color television. Yeah, it. Uh, it's. It was a treat because I had so few expectations. I'm going to search when was color television. <laughs> um, but also, you know, I think this sets us up nicely because if you look at our our schedule for the upcoming months. And patrons, of course, have a little bit further sneak preview up to a little bit further on through the year of 2024. But we are basically kicking off a run of games that have, you know, some maybe similar themes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, time looping or the non-linear nature of storytelling is a pretty common thing in visual novel narrative space because of, you know, the way that game structure and its branching routes lends you to think about how that can impact a narrative and the player's experience of that narrative. But, uh, you know, we're going to have a, a real interesting run of games coming up and hopefully some really interesting conversations branching off of that. So next okay, month... Do you- Oh. Do you want to hear uh, when the color television was introduced to Japan? <laughs> yes, Sarah, please tell me. 1960. Wow. We really, I said 1950. Uh, the reviewers of the game said 1980s. I was, I was like the 70s. I think, um, I think we can uh, safely say this game takes place in the 60s. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I, for, for the sake of my curiosity. I have to look up telephone cards. Uh, when, when, how old, or old, no, what I want to know is when they, when they came to be. Well, that's going to be a much harder. Yeah, let's thing say that's to not going to be as easy to find out. But no, it's at because... least after 1960, we know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because it turns out that when you search telephone cards, you get a billion different listings for like, hey, do you want to find some rare character telephone cards? It's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, I do. But like, not that's not my priority right now. Fax. Well, see, so the fax machine what, <laughs> was introduced in the early 70s. So I guess it was ah, in the 70s. Ah, yes. Vindication. Trundle, do you hear that? Trundle's. Trundle's washing herself in the corner. My small cat Trundle. Uh, she's also glad to hear that I was vindicated. There you about go. The you setting. are correct. Seventies. Thank you. 
Um, so next month we are going to read Slay the Princess. Yeah. Which sounds like a pretty straightforward game. <laughs> uh, it sounds Look, like you just kill think, a princess. I think we'll be going to a game that takes some swings is my suspicion. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. Uh, I've heard some good things about it. I've heard that it's pretty short. You can just slay the princess and it's done. Oh, so right. I'm okay. excited to see how Maybe, that goes. Yeah. 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 Um, and then after that, we've got some other fun things lined up. Please check our schedule as always. And you can also check on our Patreon where we're going to have nice bonus episodes up there. Uh, we've got a bonus episode up there for patrons right now where I tell Sarah all about Toho. It's a fun time. If you have not checked it out, you need to because it is like so fun. Yeah, I had I had so much fun and I'm glad that it was it was fun for you as well, Sarah. Yeah. And next month's bonus episode, I don't know that we have we haven't decided. decided. I guess it's my turn. Uh... It's your turn. Um, well, yeah, because we, uh, we know what our bonus episode in like two months is going to be. Yeah. Uh... And, uh, We've got like two options, month... so I will decide which one we do. Gotcha. On um, how much yeah, time surprise I have. me. In fact, uh, I think it'd be fun to be surprised. I mean, it'll still be one that you've heard of, but <laughs> well, that's true. But like, you know, it, it's still it's still nice to come into it being like I have no I have no idea what to expect today. Sure. I like to be surprised. We'll do that. Um, and uh, you know, you can also follow the podcast at. Uh, say it in red pod on Twitter or at say it in red on co-host and Sarah where can people find you you can find me on co-host and on YouTube and on Twitter at dolls and crafts excellent and you can find me Runa on co-host and on Twitter at cackle Mancy um, and you can find the games that I make at Runa hyphen Lior that's r-u-u-n-a hyphen l-i-o-r-e dot itch dot i-o uh, and hopefully, hopefully you all don't find yourself in a situation like Shogo or any of these other <laughs> protagonists. Um, but you know, if like, whew, if you, uh, if you see that little prompt come up in the upper left corner of your vision and you're, you're sure that you're sure <laughs> that you want to press that button, uh, then you better make sure that you say it in red. 